1: Well, TJ, we finally have football tonight because we're recording on Thursday. The Bills, the Rams, Rams are opening up at home is defending Super Bowl champs. Your boy, Matthew Stafford, at quarterback, and yet they are a two and a half point. Dog, where are you putting your money tonight? I mean, I,
0: I can't bet against the Rams until I see them lose. You know, last year they were uh, one of those ultimate gritty teams. Uh, probably should have lost. Two or three more games, and they ended up uh, losing. Um, but you know, I I, I got to see them lose first. I mean, I like the additions they made with Allen Robinson, going to finally play with a real quarterback for the first time in his career. Uh, Bobby Wagner, you know, in that in the middle of that defense is uh, is still one hell of a player. So um, I like the Rams. I do. I don't. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a really close game. I mean, this could be a potential. Rematch come Super Bowl weekend (laughs) here at the end of the season. These are going to be two of the best teams we see all season. So it's
1: a treat to get week one kicked off with a bang. I know. I can't wait. I'm excited just to have real football. Obviously, we had college football. The the slate of games wasn't great. There were some good games. I don't think there were any great games. Maybe there was Utah, Florida was the best one this past weekend. Upcoming weekend, not a lot of great games. We don't have much to look forward to until we get to conference play. Uh, whether it's SEC, Big Ten. I know Texas and Alabama play this weekend, but I don't know that anybody really believes that's going to be a great matchup. Um, But as we start talking about the Detroit Lions and their matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles, the big question coming out of the last couple of days was, one, uh, Hal Vitai went down, back issue. Uh, It's being reported as a back issue. He's on IR, which means for at least four weeks, He's going to be down. Where do the lines go? Because now they're shuffling things around. There's a there's a lot of different ways. And also, coming out of yesterday's practice, Frank Ragnow was limited with a grind issue. Tommy Kramer didn't practice. Yeah. I mean, that so, was their backup last year. Let's go with the assumption first that Frank is going to play. How do you replace... Hal Vitae at the guard position because when uh, Dan Campbell was on with us in the morning, he went through a list of different scenarios. One of them was to put Penny Sewell at guard and then, you know, bring in uh, Matt Nelson at tackle. I'm not a big fan of trying to solve one problem by creating two problems. I think that Decker and and Sewell should stay at tackle and you figure out what you're going to do inside. How would you, especially since we've both had a chance to see practice. You've been there, obviously, at the preseason games. How would you solve this riddle?
0: For me, it would be easy if Tommy Kramer was available. Now, Tommy Kramer's also dealing with a back injury and hasn't practiced this week uh, either. I mean, we'll see see how, how the rest of the week folds out, but that would be an easy replacement in my mind, just put Tommy Kramer in. He started three games last year as an undrafted free agent, did a really nice job. Uh, wasn't great by any means, but I think he's gotten better in year two. And there's a reason that um, they kept him on this on this roster to be that um, main interior backup. Now with him dealing with injuries and Frank dealing with injuries, it, it it gets a little bit more complicated. And like you said, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of if you're missing one guy, plug one guy in. The more yeah. you start to shovel, because now yeah. look, you're you're already going to be down at right guard, right? If you move Sewell to right guard, is he as good as Vitai? I'm going to say probably not, only because he's never played that. So you're right. You're already weakening a position there, and you're weakening the right tackle spot by putting in Matt Nelson, who, no offense, played he's nice last Pena year. Sewell. He's not Panay Sewell. So now you're weakening uh, two or three spots on that uh, on that line. Um, I'm also a big fan of uh, and a big believer of putting your best five out there. Now, assuming Frank plays. You know, we obviously know they'll have four of their best five with Decker, Jackson, Frank, and um and Panay. Who's who's your fifth? Who's your, who's your sixth best guy, not including Vitae? In my mind, I think that would be Evan Brown. I think Evan Brown played really, really good football last year when he had to fill in and what it ended up being, you know, 12 starts, I think it was. Um, he was a really good player for this team. So he would be my number one choice to I don't Go think in a guard he, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a guard. But if you're talking about trying to get the best five on the field, I think you have to consider putting Evan Brown in at center and moving Frank to guard because Frank played guard, you know, his first year in the NFL, he was our starting left guard, his rookie season uh, in 2018. He's familiar with that spot. He's, he's familiar with how the interior of the line operates, uh, passing off those games and making calls and making the slides and and it wouldn't – I don't think it would put too much stress on Evan Brown because you still have Frank out there. Yep. Guards can still make the calls. Guards can still get up there and identify the linebackers and call out the blitzes and all that good shit. So uh, I think, you know what, that might be the best option in my mind because it allows your best five that you have available to get on the field.
1: When I, I That's what I felt as well because especially, you know, we start talking about going from left to right – I think that becomes an issue because there was, uh, you know, in Dan's answer to us, he had talked about moving Jonah Jackson over to right guard. I don't want to do that as well because you're going from a left-hand stance to a right-hand stance. And Frank does have that, you know, experience in guard. I believe it was left guard um, his rookie season, but he's a right-handed center. So coming out of a right-handed stance to me would not be that big of a deal from him to move from center to guard ideal. No, but, Evan Brown, I don't necessarily. And you would know this better than me. Can can he play guard at all, or is he strictly a one position guy?
0: Well, I mean, I've never seen him play guard. Yeah. Um, obviously, last year the games we saw, he was strictly center. Um, throughout training camp and the preseason, he was strictly center. Uh, not saying he could not play guard. Um, I just haven't seen it. I mean, they and that's probably uh, an option that they're going with as well down to practice. You know, I'm sure there's a bunch of guys that are kind of getting thrown at that right guard spot and you know see who see who comes out of there but um yeah i mean i think evan is more just his body type too i mean he's kind of a shorter stocky dude that just kind of fits better at the center position so um shorter guys usually play inside anyway yeah but here's the problem too if you put (laughs) if you put both if you put both centers on the field you know and one of those goes one of those guys goes down you know, okay, so who's, let's, who's let's your, go who's through your that? third?
1: Who, who else snaps the ball? On well, that but team? let's go through <laughs> that exercise, okay? Because you may not have to put both centers on the field for one of them to go down if Frank doesn't go. And I reading the tea leaves, I think this is a precautionary measure because Hal's already down. Sounds like it. Yeah. That they're just being very protective of Frank, especially on the heels of what how they started off last season. Hey, final cuts are made, we're ready to go. And then all of a sudden, Taylor Decker gets hurt right and you don't want to have that moment so they're gonna they're gonna be very cautious with these guys plus they know that uh frank he doesn't need a whole lot of reps at practice he got those in training camp he's had them throughout the course of his career he can go in there and play at a high level uh with his experience and the way that you know he can play if he doesn't go obviously evan brown goes in at center and then you're i mean you're you're starting to eliminate possibilities but what do you do with that right guard position at that point? Is it Logan Stenberg? I think I think that would be a last-ditch effort to maybe try to get Matt
0: Nelson on the field and bump in Penesul. I wouldn't like it. Um, but there's just been nothing that I've seen from Logan Stenberg so far. That tells me he can be a quality right. starter in this league. Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're talking about just, the
1: seventh guy down yeah, the list, I mean, so if, I don't know that you necessarily have a whole lot of guys. You know, not a lot of options left. Um, How about and, Matt Nelson? I don't think Matt. Well,
0: that's where I think the scenario you can put Panay Sewell at right guard and put Matt Nelson at right tackle. I think that. I think that would be your best option as far as um, getting quality players on the field. And nothing, you know, I'm not trying to bash Logan Stenberg. He's just He's got. He's still got a lot of work to do yeah. to kind of prove that, you know, he's he's a dependable guy that can go out there and get the job done. So, um, if that situation arose, my God, that would be horrible. <laughs> that would be awful heading into week one. I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, I think you have to find a way. That then I would try to. Then I would probably consider, uh, you know, a hey, Panay. We might need you inside. Now, a lot of that too has to do with the matchups, right? I mean, you look at uh, Philadelphia's front. Uh, front four guys, you know, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, who's one of the best nose tackles in the game, um, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett coming off an edge. Uh, they've got some pretty good players. I mean, where do you feel like that one on one matchup? Do you feel like Benet Sewell would be better suited at right guard going against Fletcher Cox than, um, than, you know, Logan Stenberg would or then, um, uh, you know, Evan Brown would? I mean, yeah. probably that's when you you'd probably have to take that into account as well, but, um, Gosh, we'll see what happens i mean we still got a couple days uh, of practice left and like you said I, I think uh i'm not overreacting to the news that frank was limited i think no. like you said that was probably precautionary hey we're already out one starter you know you don't want to hit the fan this early in the season potentially going to week one down two maybe three guys so uh we'll see what happens still got a couple more couple more days of, of preparation left before we get that final injury report here usually what Friday afternoon or so but Uh, Frank would be a guy I would expect to play.
1: Looking at this matchup, the Eagles and the Lions, we know what happened last year. It ended up being a blowout. Eagles came in here and just blew the doors off of the Lions. The Lions are at least, well, I won't say they're a better team, but they have more talent uh, on both sides of the ball than they had last year. Even with some of the guys up front being dinged up a little bit, I think this is a better offense and I think it's a better defense. Now, what does that mean going into this matchup with the Eagles? And we talked to John Ritchie, um, who does midday um, radio there in Philly. And his concern, and a former NFL player, is the level of preparation that the Eagles have had. He he called the training camp a country club and is worried that one, uh, Jordan Davis, is not going to be in good enough shape to contribute on a regular basis throughout the course of an NFL game. The the age of their defensive line, um, he's concerned about. Um, your thoughts just initially on the matchup between the Eagles and the Lions?
0: Well, I think the Lions offense going to have to score some points. You know, I think uh, that's probably coming out of training camp. They seemed like they were further ahead. Than the defense was. Um just it seemed like they had better talent, you know. And we saw that in the preseason one when Jared Goff actually played. We didn't see it in Pittsburgh because, you know, yeah, we had two quarterbacks who so were no longer around. Um <laughs> but I think this offense gonna need to score some points. I mean, I think Philly can uh obviously we saw it last year uh when we saw them come into Ford field and gosh, ran the ball for over two hundred and thirty yards, you know, just absolutely beat the hell out of them like coach coach Campbell said um so offensively look I think you need to try to control the game I need I think you need to try to uh you know keep Jalen Hurts on the sideline that old theory you know keep them cold um don't let them get into the rhythm don't let them get momentum going because they've got some they've got some pretty damn good players over there in Philly now with the addition of uh with the addition of A.J. Brown who's uh who's a big obviously a big time target so Um, Philly's gonna score some points, I would expect. Um, if you're the Lions, you know, do you have the horses to maybe get into a potential shootout? You know, I think they do. Obviously, I think they're in a much better spot this year than they were that last year. Uh, but one guy I'm I'm really interested to see is is DJ Chark. I mean, we talked about him all pre all preseason, all offseason coming in and you know, having that one year kind of prove it deal. And everybody's been excited about him. And then the preseason games come on and like, I think he got targeted one time, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't think he got targeted at all. in That first game when Jared Goff was out there. And then, you know, when Tim Boyle and Blower out there, I mean, it was just a bunch of two yard passes. So we didn't really get to see uh, a downfield threat out of any of those guys. So um, I think that'll be a matchup that that's going to intrigue me along with, you know, the the trenches on both sides will be how do our receivers fare up with. Uh, a pretty good secondary over there in Philly. I mean, you've got Darius Slay. You've got – they traded for C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the uh, really good safety slot guy from uh, New yeah. Orleans. James Bradbury's still a good corner. So they're going to be tested early. They're going to be tested often. I want to see if those guys are able to win one-on-one matchups and and, and go make some plays because this team's got to start getting the ball downfield. We talked about it all last year. Where's the deep passing game? Where's the downfield uh, You know, throws at? Um, They obviously didn't really have the horses to play that type of style last year. They do this year though. So that's going to be something I want to see. How do our receivers match up?
1: Where can you find those mismatches on the, in in the passing game? Here's what I'm going to be looking at. You talk about the mismatches in the passing game is on the field. I want to see DeAndre Swift in the backfield, Amon Ross, St. Brown, DJ shark, Josh Reynolds, TJ Hawkinson, as your skilled players and then watch and see what uh, ben johnson how he operates this offense because at some point if you're shuffling things around up front you may need to keep an extra tight end in and you've got Bryce Wright, you've got you know zilstra you've got guys that you can keep in in terms of protection so you've got six hopefully blocking five maybe even four get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady those weapons on the field, you mentioned D.J. Shark, 2019, he's a Pro Bowler, 20, he gets hurt, 21, he gets hurt. Uh, in the brief moments that we saw him down in Jacksonville in 21, it looked like he was going to have another, you know, Pro Bowl caliber season, but he goes down. Now he's back on that, you know, prove it deal that you had talked about, but to have the threat of going downfield with D.J. Shark, to have Amon Ross St. Brown, and the fact that I think he is, does take a step forward. Um, we saw him be you know effective in the preseason, but in year two, I think he's going to be a much better player and have the, the chemistry that Josh Reynolds and Jared Goff should have, and Jared Goff talked about this this training camp. He's been working with Josh for a long time, so they should be further along. But to have all of those weapons on the outside, DeAndre Swift coming out of the backfield, But with TJ Hawkinson, that's one of the guys that I think is going to benefit the most. Obviously, Jared Goff benefits from having more weapons, but I think TJ Hawkinson benefits the most because instead of being Detroit's number one weapon, especially at the start of last year, um, I think he is probably now two or three down the list in terms of top weapons. But could work his way back up in terms of threat simply because he's going to be single-covered. Yeah, and that that, you just nailed it. I mean, that's going to be the difference.
0: Um, We saw Jared Goff last year always trying to force the ball to Hawkinson, right? And teams knew that.
1: Yeah, catch, tackle.
0: Right, teams would play eight guys in the box. They would single up on the outside receivers because they just didn't have anybody they felt threatened them downfield. And they would just load up on TJ Hawkinson. And Jared Goff, I mean, he made some – really bad throws to Hawkinson last year because he was trying to force the ball to him. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Philly wants to attack them. I I think we all know, and they probably know that Hawkinson is still Jared Goff's safety valve. If it's a third and five, um, he's probably the number one guy they're going to be looking at. And that's going to open up other opportunities for the other guys as well. So I would expect teams to actually do the opposite. I would expect teams to probably still try to hone in on 88. Um, until some of these other guys show that, you know, they're worthy of of taking away a little bit of the coverage. They're worthy of, uh, you know, getting the safety to kind of tilt to their side of the field a little bit more than they normally would to TJ Hawkinson. So, um, yeah, I mean, and and look, I think Chark's got that ability to be that 50-50 guy that can go up and make plays. I think Amon Ross St. Brown's got the ability to be uh, that that big-time third-down option coming out of the slot. Um, but I expect I, I it's you got to see it first. You know what I mean? You got to see it. You got to make sure that those guys are what we expect them to be because last thing you want to do is get into a game again and just hey, check down, check down, check down, Hawkinson, Swift, Hawkinson, Swift, you know, Swift, Swift. You throw the ball downfield yeah. a little bit. And I think that the coverage is obviously going to get, dictate that, but um, the players that they have now are going to dictate that as well. And and you're right. I think Hawkinson is uh, – he's set up in a good position right now. Um, you know, you talk about a dude that's going into year, gosh, what, four? Year four. Right? You know, we got that fifth year hanging over your head a little bit. I know they picked it up, but big opportunity for him to kind of actually have – just one of those years where you're like, yes, like we got it. You That's know, why he was a top you 10. You see day. flashes of it. We've seen flashes over the last couple of years, but now that he has uh, a supporting cast around him, I would expect much bigger things from him.
1: And on the defensive side of things, here's where I, th- I think a lot of people, especially in, you know, Southeast Michigan, Wolverine fans, You know, fans just of of athletes that come out of the state of Michigan are going to be excited. And that's Aiden Hutchinson. Our first opportunity to see him go against an offensive line that is really freaking good. Uh, Jordan Malata, uh, their left tackle, Lane Johnson, their right tackle. Those are going to be some matchups that we may get a chance to see Aiden Hutchinson grow up right before our eyes and and grow, um, you know, a, a gigantic pair of balls. So that he can go out there and whether it's, Hey, I beat this guy off the snap. I beat him with a move. I beat him with the second move. I think where he wins the most, especially early on is his motor, that unrelenting motor that just never shuts off. And um, whether it's, you know, right or left side, cause they're going to use them both sides. That's where I think he's going to have most effect, um, you know, as a pass rusher. Now it, You've also got to have the, the the time to get after quarterback. If you're talking about making effort pressure on a quarterback, one, we know Jalen Hurts is mobile, but the secondary, can it hold up uh, against some of the receivers uh, that, you know, you mentioned A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, former Heisman Trophy winner. Um, you know, can the secondary hold up long enough for that pass rush to get home? Well, they have to, and they have to stop the run first.
0: I mean, if you're Philly – you know, last year you came into Ford Field and you ran the ball 35 times for 240 yards. But would you do you expect them to do much different this year? I mean, look, I know it's a new team, yeah, and I know it's you know every there's some changes every. I've seen year, coaches do weirder things. Yeah, you get a
1: new toy and AJ Brown all of a sudden, hey, first game we got to yeah, show them yeah. off. Uh,
0: you're right, but there's there's also a, a part of you know just I don't know common sense where you know they didn't stop last year why are we going to change it why are we going to stop ourselves you know let's go out there and so I think this team's going to have to stop the run they just have to um you you know and and it's going to be a challenge for like you said even Hayden Hutchinson Charles Harris the outside guys you know how how disciplined can you be in your rush lanes to make sure Jalen Hurts doesn't burn you you know because he had gosh I think 70 or 80 of their 200 plus yards last year on the ground himself so um you know and, and and that was It was good because week one of the preseason, they went against, you know, Mariota, who's a running quarterback. They went against uh, Desmond Ritter, who was a running quarterback. I mean, even Trubisky, you know, isn't, I wouldn't say a running quarterback, but he's a very mobile guy. So in the preseason, they have seen guys that can get outside and beat them with their feet, um, which is good. I mean, that just gives you, uh, you know, more... um, it, gosh, more, you know, <laughs> it, it lets you see what you're going up yeah. against week one. Now, Jalen Hurts is obviously a better runner than most of those guys. But when you have that experience and, and those learning points early in the season, I think that's better as well. But look, I think, uh, you know, the DBs, I mean, Jeff Okuda, right? There's going to be a big circle on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there were a lot of good things that he did in training camp. And he, got, starting better. Spot. I mean, he got a lot better from, you know, preseason one to preseason three there against Pittsburgh. Um, how is he going to do, you know, like coach says under the lights, man, you know, against A.J. Brown, against Quez Watkins, you know, against uh Devontae Smith, right? Because there's going to be some situations where, dude, it's you one-on-one. Can you go out there and beat that guy? Can you cover him? Can you make a play? Uh He's going to be a guy that a lot of people are going to be watching as well, but it's got to come down to stopping the run. It just has. I mean, I expect Philly to come in here and and try to bully them the same way they did last year. And until you show us you can stop it, you know, we're not going to stop ourselves. That's going to be the first key for that defense.
1: Well, I want to get your prediction on the final score of this game, what happens and what it means moving forward. All right, TJ, last time we're going to get a chance to talk to everybody before uh, the season starts, before things get kicked off. I'm excited. I know you're excited. Fans are very excited about the improvements that they expect to see uh, for this Detroit lions team. What does that mean against Philly? Is it have to be a win? Will this be a win? Or does it just have to be, Hey, it comes down to a one score game. They've got a chance to win it at the end. I think it's going to be competitive. I do.
0: Um, like you said, I mean, this offense I think is, is poised to, uh, take a big step. Um, I don't know if they're going to pull out the window. I just don't. I mean, and, 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 and that's, there's, I say that not because of any deficiencies, I think this team has, but I say that because I think Philly's got a real chance to be a sleeper team this year. I do. I mean, um, you know, they could be one of those teams that, and I know they weren't worse last year, but they could be a Cincy like team that, that can really make a run um, because they, they've got the talent to do it. They've got the leadership. They've got the veterans on that team um, that have been there before. Uh, you know, you talk about a lot of the guys that are still there from, you know, their Super Bowl run Mm -hmm. just, uh, what, four, four years ago, you know, with Jason Kelsey and, um, you know, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and, um, Lane Johnson, right. They've got a lot of really good veteran leadership on that team. So I expect big things from the, from the Eagles this year. I still expect the Lions to, uh, to be a good above average team. Uh, I just think that they're matched up against, uh, a really tough opponent this week. So I would say, and I don't think it's going to be, gosh, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect it to be a super high scoring game. Usually week one, you don't really see a lot of, you know, 40 point games, right. 27, 24, yeah. or something maybe like a that, 27, 21, maybe a 27, 20 type game where, uh, you know, maybe, Hey, maybe they can make a play late in the game to make it uh, make it something. But I just think Philly's just, uh, I think they're too good. I do. And, Gosh, you mentioned earlier, though, you know, your buddy out there in Philly was kind of concerned with their training camp, and maybe they weren't working as hard yeah, as the Lions. Yeah, they going to be ready to be hitting them out. Um, I just, when you, when you compare the talent level on this team, I think Philly's still um, not super far ahead, but they're definitely ahead. So, um, unfortunately, I don't think the Lions can get a win this week, um, but I do expect it to be competitive. I'm sure you do,
1: too. Yeah, I do, um, and when it comes down to it, I want, I, here's what I want to see. I want to see the lions have a chance in the final four minutes to win or lose the game. And if that's the case and they don't win it, not that they lose it, but that Philly does something to win the game. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't want the Lions to go out there and have a turnover, have a coaching decision that costs them the game. I want them to go out there. Like you said, Philly Right now, I don't think anybody would say the Detroit Lions are a better team talent-wise or just in terms of experience because they're the third youngest roster in the NFL on opening day. So having said all that, I just want to see them be in the game, and if Philly makes a play to win it, I want it to be because they earned it and the Lions made them fight for 60 minutes to earn that win. To me, that's a step forward for the Lions. And now you move on to the Washington Commanders, and we could talk about that, and we will next week. Um, I do think it's going to be a closer game. I think this is going to be one where it comes down. It's probably a, a 24-21, uh, 27-24 type of, of win uh, for Philly. And, heck, who knows? Maybe this is – because Dan Campbell's talked about we've got to find a way at the end of games – to get in that win column. And maybe this is that first one where the Lions actually do something at the end of the game to get in that win column.
0: Do you think they cover? Good
1: teams win, great teams cover.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, I do. I, I actually, because I think what the, the line is, what, four and a half for yeah, Philly? I
0: think it's four
1: ish. Yeah. I think the Lions cover. Um, I'm not ready to call them a great team. But I know for all those (laughs) betters out there, that would be a great result if that's the side you choose. But hey, when we do get a chance to talk again next week, we're going to actually be able to talk about what we saw on the field. Tangible evidence of whether the Lions are a better team, if they're the same, if they're worse than they were last year. I think both of us believe that they're going to be a better team, but we'll find out come Sunday and next week when we get a chance to talk. It'll be the end result of week one. We'll talk to you next week. Lang, Jansen, necessary roughness.